I'm Dave. I'm Mark. I'm Richard. I'm Rob. And this is episode 62, Royal Command, sometimes known as Royal Command Performance. First broadcast on the 6th of December 1977, Tuesday, once more at 9pm. Rob, what did you think of Royal Command? I really enjoyed it. I thought there were some really good set pieces. It probably falls down a little bit towards the end, but... It's a really strong start, and right through the middle, it's really well done. I enjoyed it a great deal. I have to agree with everything you said there. I got a lot out of it. I agreed the weaker stuff is probably the last five minutes. And for an episode which is basically the one conceit stretched over 30 minutes, which we've said in the past often other weaker ones, where they don't have that change in the middle, it stands together really, really well. Mark, welcome back. Thank you very much for having me. What did you think of Royal Command? This one was very strong in my memory, so it was actually uh, great to watch it again. Like you guys, it stands up well from a production point of view. I thought it was actually very impressive, towards, especially towards the end with the, the sequences and things like that. But I think this stands up for repeated viewing. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. This whole series of the goodies is very strong for me. And Richard? I think it's probably a step backwards after the last couple of weeks. But I enjoyed watching it. Is this becoming a trope, three podcasters against one? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think that one thing that's very interesting here is that you would think being nearly 40 years old, this episode would have dated quite a bit. Fortunately, though, all the source material is basically exactly the same now yes. as it was in 1977. Yeah. So, yeah. so it actually can be watched now fairly well. Yeah. It opens with a shot of the London Palladium, mm. which is hosting the Royal Variety Show. Now, the Royal Variety Show has never really been big in Australia, but it is very big in the UK. It started in 1912. Mm-hmm. started by George V as a way of raising funds for charity. To date, as of recording in 2017, the Queen has attended 39 of them, and there will always be a senior royal at one of them. Prince William's done a couple now. The Queen Mother used to do quite a lot, including the one where the Beatles performed quite famously, and Lennon mm-hmm. gave his little you jewellery lot. But these are very, very big. They're broadcast live in the UK. They get quite significant audiences. And nowadays we actually get them usually on pay TV to fill out Boxing Day or Christmas Day here, mm. but a year later. Yeah. So quite a big deal. The opening is from the Queen's point of view, mm. we assume. A Queen's point a of queen, view. Yeah. A Queen's <laughs> point of view. What did we think of this opening and where it goes? I thought it was really striking. Yeah. I thought visually it's something that the goodies hasn't really done before. Yeah. You notice the lady at the very top of the stairs doesn't curtsy? No, yes. no yeah. Off right, with her yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. I really enjoyed it, and then the, the joke at the very end of it was quite amusing. <laughs> it, it, it pays off really well. Yeah. That joke being... She walks into the gents, yeah. and there's Bill and Graham <laughs> just finishing up. And <laughs> so, Tim Brooke Taylor is hosting this performance, and so we assume the goodies have been asked to put together and run the performance. Yes. Here. And Tim's put that together, and of course he's very concerned that the royals attending <laughs> stay awake for it. So, we have... <laughs> 
and we don't see them front on, we just see them from behind. So we have very obviously the Queen, we have the Duke of Edinburgh in his Admiral's uniform, we have a young man in a pith helmet with large ears, <laughs> so that's of course the Prince of Wales, and we have the Princess Royal, Princess Anne. Can yeah. I ask... The ears, I understand. The pith helmets. It was did he traipse around Africa it's at some point? Polo, isn't it? It's polo. It'd be a polo. Polo. Oh, oh, polo. Oh, it's a polo oh, reference. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. fair enough. Yeah. 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 Yes, well, the royals, as we said, obviously, and, and their horse, indeed, is in the box oh, yeah. with them. <laughs> Just want to sleep through the proceedings, and we get the wonderful scene of Graham and Bill trying <laughs> increasingly more desperate measures to keep them awake, <laughs> including finally just turning the hose on. <laughs> we get a number of mentions there. Mike Yarwood gets a mention. He was a, an impressionist at the time. I think all the acts were performers who had done the real Royal Variety show, um, and yes. I think some of them, yeah. like Max Bygraves, Many, many times. Yeah, Mike Yarwood was actually fairly big at the time. He mm. had his own TV show. I remember watching that. His, his speciality, yeah, it was uh, Frank Spencer. Lena Zavaroni was a peer of Bonnie Langford's at the time, child star. Uh, I'm assuming she didn't sing like Paul Robeson, though. <laughs> no, obviously that's the gag. <laughs> Yarwood was also very famous for his Harold Wilson impression, which yes. of course didn't last much past 1977. Well, that's the problem with political humour. Uh, if you attach yourself to someone, then they're out. They're out. And then they sort of make the point at the end that the rest of the acts are various performers who are on Bernard Delfont's books, yeah. <laughs> who was the chap, he was Lou Grade's brother, he was the chap in charge of presenting the real Royal ah. Variety show. He was head of EMI for a time, and he famously is the chap who withdrew funding for the life of Brian. Ah. As we mentioned a few weeks ago, leading George Harrison to mortgage his house. Yes. <laughs> I just really wanted to see the movie. <laughs> We cut then to Tim back at the office, dressed in what he says are the robes of an earl, and not remotely like the robes of an earl, but we'll, we'll let that go. He's expecting some sort of reward for the show that he's put on. It could be an earldom, it could be an OBE, which as Graham points out would make him an earlum. <laughs> and that is a joke that I recognise from an episode of I'm Sorry I'll Read That yes. Again, so that's uh, one of their staples there. A royal message arrives in the form of Bill having been roughed up by the palace officials. <laughs> Chucked in a sack. Yes. <laughs> the royals weren't happy with being made to stay awake during the Royal Variety Show. Yes. And now having seen it, they want another one with a few differences. Yes. Another one of Graham's deadpan lines there as well where Bill says, for the first time they saw the whole thing, and Graham replies, Oh, I bet they're cross. <laughs> <laughs> was the whole, the royals are brought to tears, something that was known, or was it just the sort of banality of the performances in the 70s? I, I think it would be more that. If you're doing a royal variety show in front of the royal family and being broadcast to millions, they would be fairly safe, safe yeah. and probably quite homely, cosy sort of acts. Yeah. So mm, okay. you'd have a lot of, you know, Max Bygraves and Cliff Richard. And, the know. Sex Pistols weren't going to be on it. No. 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 Yeah, the nice, best. safe acts. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even in the 60s when, as we said, you know, the Beatles fairly on were invited on and were given very detailed instructions of what they could and couldn't do and, you know, John Lennon pushed it to the limit, but mm. it was still very, you know, suit and tie, play a nice song. And it was a cheeky nod, wasn't it, really? It yeah. was, and, and I watched a couple of them in the last couple of years and I said I might make a little joke at the expense of the Duke of Cambridge and it's very sort of nod-nod, you know, that's okay, isn't it, sort of... Yes. Yeah, very, very tame, proper yeah. satire, if you like. So yeah. you can imagine sitting through that sort of thing would be very, very tedious. Of any of them, I think Princess Margaret was the one who was known for not being all that happy with sitting through this sort of stuff when she could just be out partying, basically. <laughs> Drinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we then get the second version of the variety show. Yeah. Yes. Which is meant to be more exciting and fun and more of a blood sport. 
yes. like people had in the olden days. And it is really just a take-off of the good old days. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. And Leonard Sachs, I think, actually was the post. They used to dress everybody up mm. in Victorian-era clothes and they do this whole Victorian music hall type... Sing-alongs and... ...type procedure, but yeah. they, they're all modern acts. Yeah. And they were just doing their current acts, really. There was no... Um, yeah, but... stuff. Graham's very good in this uh, as the conductor or impresario. He's, uh, he's in his element with the... Visually, he's always interesting to look at and certainly how he delivers his lines. I, I did actually like the bit where he has to dumb it down for the Queen where he sort of says, that paragon of perky patter and comical cantillations. He sings and tells jokes, ma'am. <laughs> so there's a number of acts in there. We have Bill doing Rod Stewart. Uh, vocals, yes. Vocals, yes. So we start off, we have Max Bygraves, who's dropped through a trapdoor. Yes. We then have... Rolf Harris. Rolf, yes, Rolf Harris, who's chased off stage by Bill with the pike. As yes. a beef eater. As a, yes. Yeah. And then there was a line saying, off with his didgeridoo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no words have true ever been said, really. Yes, uh, and then Rod Stewart on the rack. We have the Brotherhood of Man, who yes. start performing only to see four nooses <laughs> come down out of them. I have to admit, that imagery I thought was just a little too far. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Far enough, Dave. I don't know what it was, but something about the nooses, I just thought, ooh, a little too far, that one. Uh, we then see... Rudolph, Nureyev, and the Nutcracker. <laughs> yes. Bill coming out with a huge... And then off stage, the scream of uh, pain. Yeah. Um, and finally, MP Willie, Willie Hamilton. Hamilton, who was a staunch Scottish anti-royalist MP, being boiled in oil. <laughs> well, why not? Yeah. That was really well done, that whole sequence, I thought. As a result of all this, the Royals decide they're going to get into show business full-time and take over the BBC. That's yes, right. although Tim is ashamed of their behaviour and how they turned it lusting after blood. <laughs> <laughs> and if they were to give him an OBE now, he'd send it back. Yes, we then get lots of jokes about what sort of shows the Royals would do, so we get Dad's Cavalry, the Rock Phillies. Which is interesting, actually, because that wouldn't be in the um, Radio Times because it was a Tim show. That's right. And had yeah, Pony so. Rama, which is supposed to be Panorama. Uh, <laughs> had Dobbin Day instead of Robin Day. Yes. Horse of the Year show. Wasn't Horse of the, the Day show. show. Horse of the Minute <laughs> show. <laughs> Wasn't there a racing from Newmarket? Yeah, racing, 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 Newmarket. racing from, yeah. Uh, one thing that I wondered if it was a reference here or just incidental was to the 1969 movie Royal Family which was the infamous documentary where the royals allowed themselves to be filmed for a year and included showing them behind the scenes, chatting around the kitchen table, Charles snapping a cello string in his younger brother's face and was basically all copies taken and thrown in a vault somewhere under Windsor Castle and hasn't been seen since. <laughs> where it burnt, no doubt, when the castle burned down. <laughs> yeah, I wondered if the, the comments that were made here about them exposing themselves to publicity was a reference to maybe that. I don't know. Cause, I mean, that has been quite infamous for yeah. a well, long time. Certainly a turning point, I suppose, in the public view of the royal family. I think we made mention of it way back in our first episode about the, that documentary. We did. So, we yes. Did. Graham proposes the amazing tumbling royals on ice. To which Tim says, they'll break every bone in their body. No, they won't. Cut to the sign, but they did. That then cuts to the hospital where the four members of the royal family are covered in bandages. <laughs> And Bill informs us that one is not amused. Two are bloody furious. And the other just wants Harry Seacombe's autograph. <laughs> <laughs> Does he visit hospitals a lot, did he? Uh, no, because be, I imagine that'd be one who's meant to be Prince Charles because he was a big fan of the goons. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because they're so banged up, they've all had to have a reconstructive surgery. <laughs> now, one's had a nose transplant from Lucinda Pryor Palmer, who was a UK equestrian. Mm -hmm. One's had a chin from Alwyn Schochemold. 
who was a, a German Olympic equestrian <laughs> show jumper. And the other ones had two fingers from Harvey Smith, which again, he is another equestrian. That's actually a shout back to Hunting Pink. He won a UK show jumping event and was disqualified because he gave the V for victory sign as he rode in after completing his run. Ah. And it was disqualified because that was unseemly. They really do have a stick up their backside in Britain, don't yeah, they? Yeah, no, it was overturned on appeal. Ah, well, there you go. As it should. This means that the goodies now have to stand in for the royal family while they recuperate. <laughs> so of course they do. Tim is, of course, now dressed as the Queen in one of her nice little hats. <laughs> he asks Graham who Graham's going to be, and Graham says, Well, I could be him, showing from the waist up dressed as the Duke, or maybe her. And from the waist down, he's dressed as Princess Anne. I must say, Graham has nice legs. <laughs> <laughs> they ask what Bill's going to be, and he walks out in the cuddly scabbed dogskin and says, I'm a corgi. <laughs> And then decides he'll be Prince Charles in a dog suit. <laughs> I'll be young him in a dog skin, yes. Yeah, you notice they don't actually mention any of them, with, with the exception of the Queen, they don't mention any of them by name. It's always young him, old him, yes. her. her. Yeah. And I do like Bill's little line there about, no, no, he would appreciate it. He's into wacky surrealist comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, you get the great scene of Bill trying desperately not to laugh where Tim puts the crown on him with the big ears. <laughs> <laughs> Tim is then inside the palace playing Send Me Victorious. Yes, rehearsing the new royal show. Bill comes in and does a ventriloquist act with the dummy duke. Yes, the clown prince and dad. <laughs> Hello, son. <laughs> now, Tim, of course, now that they're standing, he sees this as a chance to put things right and undo the changes the royals have made to entertainment. Mention at this point, of course, that we are in 1977, so this is the Queen's... Jubilee. Silver Jubilee. Yeah. Mm-hmm which now we've had a Golden Jubilee, a Platinum Jubilee. <laughs> Titanium's coming up next, is it? Yeah, so look, I mean, there, there was a lot of this stuff going on at the oh, time. Yeah. The Royals were doing a lot of appearances. Yes. We see later on the, you know, the Jubilee T-shirts that everybody's wearing. Yeah. Of course, that turned up in Morton Undead. Yes, and of course, Tim has a Jubilee mug in Scout Rages, which he hides in his shorts. Yeah, so very much in the zeitgeist at the time. I've still got my Jubilee mug, actually. Have you? Yeah. At this point, we then cut to the Chancellor of the Exchequer, who is doing some show jumping. Mm. Uh, at the, this point, of course, the <laughs> Chancellor of the Exchequer was Dennis Healy, who had done a number of comedy shows. He used to appear on Morecambe and Wise quite often, actually. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was quite infamous for it. Uh, so it's a shame they couldn't get the real Dennis Healy, and who was also satirised in Doctor Who as the Collector. Ah, yes. Uh, yes. Yes, well, I guess they've turned all the programs into, because it stars on Sunday, which I think was an early version of Songs of Praise, where they, they basically turned everything into horse or show jumping. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the Chancellor announces that because all the royal excitement is doing such a good job for tourism, they're going to restage the coronation and squeeze a few more pounds out of all the tourists before they go back to America. <laughs> rerun the coronation. They're going to rerun the coronation, which means, of course, the goodies have to stand in. Yep. And the royals don't mind because they didn't get to watch it last time. <laughs> <laughs> and they suddenly realise that Tim is going to be queen. Oh. <laughs> the ultimate queen. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. Ooh. <laughs> actually, I thought the stop motion on the uh, on the production on, oh, the, on the coffee mugs was actually very, very good. Mm. Yeah, because they they produce all the Queen Tim regalia. Yeah, the tat. Yeah, all the usual tat. And we then cut to them inside the palace, preparing for the coronation. So Tim is in her coronation dress, <laughs> which is apparently, I think, it's a version of the dress the Queen wore for the official jubilee photos. That would be right. Yeah. It's certainly not her coronation dress. No, mm. no, but uh, no, it doesn't fit, Tim. So, <laughs> <laughs> a bit tight. Yeah. Graham is not very pleased to be going. He is now 
in full Princess Anne mode, and one does not want to go, run finds it a great ball, one has an Olympic show jumping trial this afternoon. <laughs> and of course at this time, Princess Anne was representing Britain in the Olympics. Yeah, she yes. did in the 76 Olympics. Yes. And, and has since gone on, she's since then basically been the UK's representative on the IOC. Mm. And of course the uh, Poet Laureate reads out the Coronation Ode. Yes, in uh, the style of Pam Ears. Yes. <laughs> Graham does a fantastic impression of her. <laughs> Was she over here, Pam Yeah, I knew where Pam was. Yeah. And of course, it turns out to have been penned by Bill. Yes. <laughs> As Prince Charles. As Prince Charles. And dressed like Matt Smith. <laughs> <laughs> now, Bill, of course, comes out wearing what he claims is all the prince's own gear, yeah. including the spinning bow tie, the funny waistcoat, the red nose. Yeah. They then go out on the balcony, they wave, they do a whole we want the rest of the family, so they bring out a dummy version of the Duke. After, Gra- after Graham's thrown the corgi over the balcony. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, they want the children, which is, of course, a very young Prince Andrew and Prince Edward. Yes. So they're brought out as puppets. love puppets. Yeah. And Graham's doing a great puppet impression along that. Then when the crowd calls for the family, they pull out another couple, which I assume would be, for example, Prince Michael of Kent. But as we were discussing beforehand... There's no Princess Margaret, there's no Queen Mother, mm. no. there's no Earl of Snowden, which I would have thought would have been an obvious one for the goodies, given they've had a lot of fun at his expense over the last seven years. <laughs> but look, I mean, they've obviously truncated that a bit, but it's a good joke of seeing the family assembled on Buckingham Palace. Mm. At which point they discussing whether the royals have realised that once the coronation happens, the royals will be out and, and the goodies in. will be in. <laughs> I don't think constitutionally that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> And, and it transpires, yes, the royals have noticed yes. and are on their way to do something about it. Yes, we again move on to the coronation. Uh, there's some nice little stuff in there. The fact that they've had all the budget cutbacks, so the choir is just a whole lot of photographs of choir boys with a record playing. They predicted austerity. <laughs> they did. So we have a number of guests. There's James Callaghan, who would have been the Prime Minister at the yeah. time. Jimmy Carter. Yeah. David Frost. Uh, Leonard yeah. Brezhnev. Yeah, Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Jacqueline Onassis. Yeah. And then there's somebody playing an actual Indian yeah. Army. Yeah. <laughs> Who actually seems to be having a great time He's sitting there ball, laughing at everything, laughing, laughing at what's going on. That's right. And they do get the line in there about, although that is the real Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. <laughs> the goodies are at their best when they're doing this sort of stuff. And they're arguing back to their roots, I think, of just satirising and sending up royalty. And, and let's face it, they're actually going back to their very first episode, which mm. started off with their, you know, at the time, very risque satirising of Prince Charles and all the rest of that. So... It's good to see them doing that, and they again do that overly solemn announcement voice at the coronation. You know, they do that all really, really well. When the royals come in to interrupt the coronation, and we have the scenes of Tim trying to steal the crown. Yes, I think Tim sort of feels that as long as he gets his head inside the crown, that's it, it's all over. <laughs> he seizes the crown and runs off with it. Mm. And then, of course, yes, we lead, and like a number of goodies episodes, it ends with a chase scene. Yeah, which is actually quite, I thought it was very impressive, actually. And I noticed that when the goodies are running and climbing over the fence, I think it's the same location they use for Chubby Chums, the entrance to the, the fat farm. Okay. That's what I noticed anyway. Um, I said the actors in question and the bandages should get a special mention, I think, for running up and down what looks like the mall mm. in London. It was actually filmed in Cardiff. Really? Mm. It's yeah. a pretty good ring in for... Well, it's about one third the size, but yeah. apart from it that, still it's very good. It still looked pretty good. Uh, look, I, I'm sort of... I'm kind of halfway between Europe and halfway between Newmark. I did think it went on a little bit too long, mm. and the fact they were all in bandages kind of made it hard to engage with it a little bit. Yeah. 
But I agree with you, Mark, it is exceedingly well filmed. Mm. Uh, mm. Particularly the stunts with the carriage. Yes. That is very, very well done. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Did you know that when one of the explosions went off, one of the horses actually, you know, sort of almost sprawled to the ground? Very dangerous, I mm. think. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Well, if you notice, it really startles a horse. I mean, the explosion is obviously well in front of the carriage, but yeah. yeah. There is actually a note about the carriage where Bill flies onto the back of the carriage yes. and then detaches it from the horses filmed in a street in Cardiff and the carriage just sort of they take off with the horses and the carriage was obviously just supposed to roll to a stop. Well unfortunately what happened was they initially requested that the street be cleared of all parked cars and the head warden of traffic in Cardiff said oh no he'd only clear one side of the street and sadly what happened was the carriage sort of gracefully rolled and then smashed into one of the parked cars left on the other side of the street which just happened to be the one owned by the chief warden because he, <laughs> he actually lived in the street. Ah. <laughs> Didn't want to move his car. Well, yeah. for the BBC covered expense. I have to say that joke as well of Bill as the prince spinning his bow tie and flying off. Mm. That is very, very funny. Yeah. <laughs> and visually quite impressive still. Yeah. Uh, not, I'm not quite sure what the people lined up behind him thought he was actually doing or what the intended result was, but uh, yeah, no, it was well done. <laughs> it, yeah, the reaction's all right. Yeah. yeah. And the final shot is of the crown flying off the queen's head <laughs> and landing on Tim's, and Tim becomes queen. Mm. That's right. And then uh, after that, because the royals are out of a job, they start their own TV show called Royals. Royal, Royal, yum, yum. And I noticed as the Royals are riding up that street, they've actually got stabilisers on the back. Yes. On the back, obviously. There's another, there's another there. seat being bolted to the back yeah. of the tram. Yeah. So. Yes, and some stabilisers to get that shot. Yeah. Four random people trying to drive it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, as I said at the start, this is basically your one conceit, which is the goodies are being the royal family. Yeah. Mm. At that last scene, I think without relenting for the full half hour, they get every little joke they can out of that, they mm. get every twist they can mm. out of that. And an episode I went into thinking it was going to get bogged down and you know, yeah. run out of steam, I was very satisfied with it. I thought it just was you know, funny all the way through. If the worst thing we can say is the chase scene is technically brilliant but lasts maybe a little too long, that's not a bad comment. Agree. I think, again... Uh, the two I just watched, this is probably the strongest one and the one I have the most memories of watching on the ABC repeats. I thoroughly enjoy watching it again. And from the beginning, we got the point of view all the way to the end. It holds up really, really well, unlike some others I've watched recently. So, yeah, I've hats off to them. All right, Richard, do we have any cuts or production points you want to mention before we move to our regular segments? This was another episode that they had some issues with the BBC. I can't imagine why. Well, interestingly, it's actually not probably what you would think. Because it was the, the Jubilee year, the BBC were apparently a bit wary of content with the royal family. They weren't really... The only thing they were asked to remove from this, the original script was actually going to use an altered film sequence of the royals tumbling and falling, so them falling off horses and doing whatever, to, to create the tumbling royals on ice. Uh, the BBC nixed that. But other than that, the rest of it was okay. No, the reason they actually had a problem with this one was the episode was due to be screened around the time that Princess Anne was expecting her first child, which obviously was the Queen's first grandchild. And the BBC didn't want anything even mentioning the royal family what was supposed to be a great day for the nation. They to and fro a bit, but they eventually took the episode off and it was replaced by a repeat of 2001 and a bit. This was supposed to be the third episode screened in the season. It was moved to the fifth episode and took the slot that would have been taken by Earth and Asia. And then, obviously, there was a scramble to try and find another slot for Euthanasia pre-Christmas. Hmm. So there you go. 
So, young master Peter Phillips has got something to answer to. Mm. <laughs> yes, he forced 2001 and had bit on the nation yet again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move then into our regular segments. First, and tropes. Look, it's lots of royal jokes. That's a trope of theirs. Yeah, Aldunican jokes. Yeah, Max Bygraves. Max Bygraves, Rolf Harris. So, another episode where we're really not using the tropes and they're doing very new mm. material, mm. which has been a bit of a theme of this season and I think will continue. What couldn't they get away with today? Uh, well, it wasn't cut here, so the Australian censors were okay with it. Uh, let's face it, if you're doing it now, you might have a different set of royals, but then again, <laughs> then again maybe not. I mean, maybe you'll still have Princess Anne for maybe one of the younger generation, but I think you'd still have Charles in there. Yeah. I think you'd definitely still have the Duke of Edinburgh, because, yeah. you know, that's just a field of comedy gold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whether today you'd probably make more, perhaps, of some of his faux pas, Yes, I, yeah. I would think. I think you'd probably go far more to town on that. Yeah. True. And in fact, the Duke's probably the one that gets the least attention in terms of satirising them, I guess because he's not being portrayed by one of the goodies. Mm, true. Favourite gags. Mark, good to have you back. What was your... Basically, with a horse wouldn't jump over Margaret Thatcher, and the words were, who could blame her? The line, the princess has mounted the archbishop. I don't think we've got... <laughs> <laughs> Lots of visual gags in there as well. But uh, the earlobe as well, uh, I'm just an earl who can't say no. <laughs> when I started singing a couple of those songs. So. Well, if this would be about a few years later, they would have done Earls Just Want to Have Fun. So. Oh, yes, yes. Rob, what was your favourite gag? Uh, there were a couple of visual gags that I really enjoyed. The Brotherhood of Man, the nooses hanging over yeah. their head. It yeah. was quite amusing. Um, <laughs> a strange individual, I know. Um, <laughs> the other one, I will just Graham's performance in the second variety show. I mean, he's in his element there. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful marriage of... The visual, the hands flying around, and, and the wordplay. I really enjoyed that. I'm going to go for, again, a visual gag, and it's the bit where they're in the palace, and Graham, as Princess Anne, is complaining about not wanting to go there. He says he's got to go through all his stuff to find all the coronation regalia, opens the cupboard, and the horse just bleeds <laughs> <laughs> out. And it's only there for a split second. He has to push it back in, but yeah. it was so unexpected and so bizarre. I just you know, thought that was really, really funny. And Graham, of course, does the reaction perfectly. Richard, what about you? We've taken a couple of mine, so I'm actually going to go for the poem. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. So we've had a lot of fun with Royal Command. Next week we will be finishing up Series 7 with Earth and Asia. Mm. I think we're all looking forward to that one. Yes. Absolutely. And as you contemplate the end of the world, why don't you take a walk for the Black Forest? You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. It's a coronation ode by the new poet laureate. <laughs> oh, Timothy Brooke Taylor, Timothy Brooke Taylor. When she is crowned, everybody will hail her. Shout hippie hooray for this lovable queen. Let the land be bedecked in red, white, and green. <laughs> All right, yes, I know that should have been blue, but I'm bored with this poem, so pfft, to you. <laughs>